0: Hey, guys. Thanks for joining this episode of Permitted with Conditions. I'm Sam, the intern, and let's get things started and finished with part six, the final part of our interview with Becky McRae. There was one other area I wanted to make sure we we covered. You wrote a book with Barry Maltz uh, back in 2012, uh, Small Town Rules. It could be purchased on Amazon uh, and get it and flip through it on your Kindle, but it explores kind of those big changes in technology in the early 2000s and the effect on the economy and businesses of all sizes and what that meant for uh, rural areas as well as urban areas. I read through some portions of that, and post-pandemic, I see a lot of parallels. You know, you've got this continued growth in e-commerce, different ways that we're communicating on larger scales. You've got influencers, which is a totally different thing today than it was Uh, 10, 12, 15 years ago. And now we've got this ease of doing business in a hybrid world where sometimes we show up online, like we're talking today on the podcast. Other times we're actually physically in a room together. And then now we've even got virtual assistants you can hire and all these improved calendar kind of reservation technology systems. What are some lessons from that book that really, you know, kind of as time has passed have aged well and are especially true right now for small towns and businesses as they try to adapt to kind of this evolving market?
1: Well, one of the first ones is plan for zero. Expect there will be times when you have no income coming in. This is an old farming lesson, right? Like we know there's years the crops fail. We know there'll be times like, oh, look, there's a global pandemic and we are all closed. These things can happen and they continue to happen. So always plan for and have that kind of cushion to be prepared for it, to be zero. Another one is just using your brains before you use your dollars. (laughs) Too much money can make you stupid if you did not know that. Rural people know that, which is we do a lot with a little and it is a point of pride. But I don't think that's changed either. If you throw, we've watched so many startups throw millions of dollars at things and have nothing to show for it. In rural areas in particular, we don't have that kind of money to just throw around and, and hope something good happens. And then another one that I will take with me for the rest of my life is customer service is all you got as a local business manager told me. It's all you've got. This is it, is you can provide better customer service than everybody else. That's all you can do. And yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. But if you're not doing that, that's going to be a giant problem for you. So I think that these lessons of these basic timeless principles that have come up through the culture of people making do people getting by continues to be valuable lessons that can be used in business today. And I will say about the book, you can actually purchase that through independent bookstores. There's because it's more than 10 years old. Most of the copies floating around are used copies. They're at bookstores and you can pick these up for not very much money. And there's even a paperback version. They did a reprint in India. So in 20. 14 2015 there was a reprint in india on paperback so you can get that edition as well pretty inexpensively as well as the ebook is available still so but support your local independent bookstores even online excellent kind of
0: reflecting on all of that what do you see kind of this this anywhere anywhere how can folks leverage that as a small business in a small town in the middle of the midwest and really, you know, taking advantage of opportunities they may have.
1: The anywhere, anywhere idea that's in small town rules is really about remote work. So we were talking about this in 2012, that people can pick where they want to work. And as it turns out, over and over, we've seen surveys and studies. P Research Research released one of these this year of how much do people prefer rural versus urban versus suburban and as it turns out way more people prefer rural than prefer urban and that gap is increasing way more people prefer rural than live there right now so there is this pent-up demand for rural living and where we see this and where we got the total proof of this was during the pandemic when suddenly people everything went to remote work Remote school. And people went, you know, I'm not enjoying living in the big city at the moment. Perhaps I'd like to live where I already wanted to live with all of this pent up demand for rural. We saw a lot of people move further out into suburbs, further out into exurbs, and further out into completely rural areas. Um, So that pivot to remote work really share, really changed the way people viewed where they wanted to work and where they wanted to live. So we saw a lot of migration at that time. Um, and so that's not particularly surprising. I think about it, people would prefer to live rural. Suddenly they have those choices that we talked about back in 2012. We were not the first people to talk about it, but it is certainly one of the big things. And so how can people get ready for that? How commun- can communities prepare? Well, one of the first things is, you know, improving your internet in your community so that even if you're loaning out hotspots from your library which is one way you can do it. Expanding on the the Wi-Fi that businesses are already and institutions are already providing. Start making that into a, a seamless network for your community. Expand opportunities for co-working. Build the community first and start connecting with people who want to work from remote offices. And then finding the people who are currently in your community who are already working remotely so that you can build upon that. Do some quick and dirty research. Why are you here? What brought you to town? And then preparing your students who have experience with remote schooling at least a couple of years in their life, and realizing these are people who are potential remote workers that may base in your community if you start showing them the opportunities to do so and and treating them as an asset. And I think the number one thing that you can do after you've done all of those things is to focus on building the connections between people who are working remotely because remote work, speaking as someone who has worked from home for a long time from this very desk, the isolation of working alone is one of the biggest issues. And so building community where your people have a chance to work together, whether that is co-working, or meetups or finding the way to, to just to network people, then those are the things that are going to help you do a better job of preparing for and capitalizing on remote work in, in rural communities today. And
0: I would assume that the other piece of that is, is the ability of small businesses to leverage those tools. You know, I, I give an example. You know, as a, for instance, our consulting firm pre-pandemic was really focused on a couple of counties here in Western Washington. And with COVID, uh, we actually started using the hybrid technology to when clients came to us and said, "Hey, can you go handle this matter for us in Oregon or California or wherever else?" And you know, no, I yeah, sure. I mean, I could do some of this work remotely. I don't have to go and spend long time. Uh, on an airplane, or spend several days in a community, or back and forth, uh, you know, over a period of a month or or longer uh, to do the project, it gave us more opportunity uh, to be able to leverage that environment. So I, I would assume, you know, part of that aspect of things too is just, you know, this is an opportunity for small businesses that are in rural areas to compete really on a different scale than they've competed before. Because they can be more present uh, in other markets.
1: And I, I would, you said, but more than they could before. And yet I've been hearing about people talk about this for so long. I've been writing about these things since 2006, uh, you know, Small business Survival. And one of the first things we talked about was this ability to work remote. You could work anywhere. And that's how it ends up making its way into the book. Is because I've been paying attention to it, because that's what I was doing. We owned a retail store. I found that operating a retail store in a small town where I was working about 35 hours a week in the building and other people were covering other shifts, what I had been doing before was I was that small town city manager, city administrator, where I had been working 50 hours a week and up. I found I could do a lot online in that extra time. And that is why I began the businesses that began at that point. And I have done a number of them that are entirely based rural and based from my desk, wherever that was at the time, or my my laptop. So these abilities have been here and it's all and people have been taking advantage of them right along. And as you said, when we hit the moment when suddenly everybody had a Zoom account, it really blossomed and we saw so much more of it and so many more businesses realized we have these opportunities and even our bricks and mortar businesses realized they could take more advantage of that of hiring people to perform services that may or may not have been available in the community I need marketing help I don't have to rely only on the marketers in my community I need to help with my accounting or with I need help with manufacturing all of this is available to us online And I think that, I think that 2020 was the year that more people thought about it and may took action on it, but absolutely it's been going on right along.
0: Yeah. And and at one point we kind of had an office in Iowa and we had an office out here and we were bouncing back and forth, but you know, it really was that point for us, at least that we looked at it as this is the leverage opportunity where, and it wasn't so much that, you know, we all of a sudden gained a sense of trust or, you know, felt like, oh, this is our moment per se. But I think what we we, we felt the most was is that there was a level of acceptance amongst the clients yes. in the communities we work with mm-hmm. that we could show up in that way and they wouldn't look at us differently as professionals because we weren't, you know, right there in front of them. And so I think that was a piece of it, at least uh, for us, and maybe why it took us so long to kind of integrate uh, some of this into our
1: own practice. Right. And I wonder in your case, if it wasn't also reflective of the fact that your specialty is in land use and these, these very physical specialties that people kind of expected you to come look at it. I want you to come look at it and see it. And suddenly we realized, you know what, that's maybe not, that may not be it. (laughs) There's other things that go with this. So it's wonderful that you saw that acceptance, even in a, in a, particular specialty of, of the kind of rules work that you do that deals very much within the, the physical realm. So I'm glad to hear that it has been more accepted for you as well.
0: Yeah, I think the, the big advantage was is
1: almost all of our projects
0: end yeah. up at a hearing. So yeah. you know, we're before a hearing examiner, a planning commission, a board of commissioners, a city council. We're before somebody at some point for a hearing. And that was a big leap with the pandemic era was city councils going mm-hmm. to hybrid model where you can participate online and in person. And so for us, like, that was kind of the, the the sealer of it all, which was, oh, wow, we don't have to travel to every one of these hearings, because sometimes we'll have a couple hearings on the same day. And we could be, we could go to hearings in two different states today, uh, b- because of how it works out. So that was, that was, you know, super helpful for us. But I think too, for, you know, smaller communities, uh, if, if if you're a city council or a planning commission and you're not fully leveraging the hybrid opportunity for public engagement and bringing people together then you' you're, you're missing out mm-hmm. because there's a tremendous amount of opportunities to you know engage folks that may not feel comfortable showing up in a physical environment uh, with a big group but you know would be super active and helpful and interested uh, if they had other ways in which they can engage.
1: All right. So I'm going to take that story and tell you the five-year bridge plan. So years ago, I was talking about Idea Friendly and a county commissioner looked at me and said, so this won't help me with my five-year bridge plan. And I said, of course it will. So here's what you can do. Part of the way five-year bridge plans happen in Oklahoma is that the commissioners sit around at their meeting and they decide what bridges they're going to work on. Over the next five years and how they're going to allocate that money, the very limited funds they have and what areas they're going to cover. So it kind of just the commissioners just decide is the short version of that. So I said, why don't we go get in somebody's farm field or a large empty lot or even a parking lot? And I want to go and I want to draw this giant map of the county or even just your district, if you're the one commissioner and put, draw it out on the ground where we can walk around and look at it. I want you to, you know, where there should be a river, I want you to get like some blue ribbon and like string it out. And that's the, that's the river or the creek or the waterway. And I want you to mark the towns and the businesses and the locations and show where the roads are and talk about traffic. And I want you to invite not just your other commissioners, your funding source or sources I want you to invite local employers whose employees drive up and down these roads. I want you to invite the farmers and ranchers who use these roads. I want you to invite the tourism operators who are taking hunters or recreation tours or photography groups. And I want you to bring them to this section, this session. We're going to all go walk through this map together and we're going to talk about. What's going on right now? What's going to happen in the next five years? What do the oil and gas companies, this is Oklahoma, what do the oil and gas companies plan to do? What about, is there a wind farm planning to go in in any of these areas we need to consider right now? What size of vehicles will they be bringing? Who's doing road crossings, right? Like, so let's all get all of these people either at the same time or in small groups or in a series of events where we walk through and talk about these things together. So that instead of just three commissioners sitting in a hearing room and inviting the public to come during meetings time, which happens to be 10 a.m. on a Thursday, which may not be the most convenient time for anybody else on the face of the earth. But we do these at, you know, maybe we do it at the county fair when there's already people coming, or we're going to do it downtown when there's actually a shopping event going on. And then we get input from everybody, as many people as we possibly can. And you're going to end up with a very different five-year bridge plan than if you just sit by yourself in your conference room and decide on your own. That's idea yeah, friendly. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and you know, we see that in a lot of places where it's the engineers to think about, you know, what to, uh, to, to the commissioners, and, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the broader economic development scale of things. Well, I appreciate your time today uh, here on Permitted with Conditions. Becky, thank you for a really engaging conversation, a lot of great information, and hopefully there's a number of small towns and small businesses that uh, get a chance to look at this. Check out uh check out the uh, Small Business Survival uh, blog, uh, and some of these other resources that are available uh, to them. But thank you. I appreciate uh, your time.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. I have had a wonderful time thinking about all these questions with you.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, if you get a chance, follow us uh, on, uh, on Facebook and Twitter and all the other places that we're engaged in social media and look for us for the next edition of Permitted with Conditions.